Welcome back to the Post Pod. I'm your host, Drew Gross. Nicholas, how we doing? Great, T. How you, brother? Doing great, man. Uh, another guest today, special one, um, Staff Sergeant Alex Hahn of the U.S. Army National Guard. Alex is an old buddy of mine from high school. We both attended St. John's Northwestern Military Academy in Delafield, Wisconsin. Uh, back in the day, we graduated back in 2010, so I haven't seen Alex in a long time. We are officially streaking uh, with the with the guests. We are absolutely in fuego, so happy to welcome in a fellow Lancer to the podcast, D. Yes, yes, of course. I'm pumped. Uh, so yeah, St. John's up in Wisconsin. I started going there uh, just when I started high school, like 2008-ish. Uh, it was a military private boarding school for men only at the time or boys only at the time. Um, it has since changed culture a little bit. They've brought on more of like a leadership aspect, gone a little away from the military side. It's still, it's still alive uh, in spirit up there for sure. I think part of the school is still military and part of it is more leadership style uh training and they also have females up there now as well which is definitely different from when alex and i were there um when alex and i were there it was all all guys um you know lots of uh lots of camaraderie with the boys got uh i've got you know countless stories from the john as we call it endearingly Yes, definitely a bit of a culture shift. Um, so interested to see what kind of stories you boys can dig back into in this one. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be a great one. Um, yeah, let's just jump right into it. Here's our conversation with Staff Sergeant Alex Hahn. Welcome back to the Post Pod. Today's a big one. We have Staff Sergeant Alex Hahn with us today. Good friend of mine from a previous life back in high school. Alex, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I was really excited. Dude, we're we're, we're both we're both pumped. Me and Nick uh, both have been really looking forward to this one. Yeah, definitely. Me too. I've I've been uh, I've been trying to listen to all your guys' episodes leading up to this. Get some some uh, previous gold dogs that you guys had, making sure we're not getting any dudes in there. So nice. Any really takes? Nice. Any takes? Oh gosh. You know what? One of the first guys I had, and I, I thought to look up, and this is just from my memory. Oh, we're, we're talking roll dogs. I was talking takes, like take takeaways from the pod. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. No, the, the pod is awesome. Um, my favorite episode is definitely the, the roll dog one. I think it was episode three. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got that right. You guys dropped You guys dropped an algae crumpler, and I was like, oh, my God. All right, we're all on the same vein here. I love it. <laughs> was it? Did it? You had algae crumpler, didn't you, Nick? Don't ask dumb questions. Of course I did. 
Oh man. Well, in that in that case, just hit us if you you prepared some, right? Hit me with uh, how how many do we have, Alex? Um. Well, I was gonna have three or four, but Algy okay. came with one, so I washed him. I have. Give me a, a solid three. Okay. Cool. Hit me with one, just right off the bat, just to just to kick this off, right? Okay. Um, of your choosing, this is of course a nomination for the Roll Dog Hall of Fame, the Post Pod Roll Dog Hall of Fame. Nick calls it the Art Off. I heard that. I like that too. The Art Off. All right. Yep. So my my first one, and and I'll preface this: I'm a big name guy. Like the name's got to pop. My man, let's go. It's got the name has got to just jump off the the sheet of paper at you. So my first one is from San Diego State, standing for fifth round pick of the Green Bay Packers, Kabir Gabaja Biamila. Oh, man. KGB, right? Yeah. And then an all-time abbreviation for his name, KGB. Oh, 100%. I knew somehow deep down I knew you were going Packers right off the bat. Yeah, I figured I'd keep it local. You know? Yes, yes. Ah, oh, that that's uh, that's a KGB is a good one. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a great one. I think he had a um, there was another, they're not. It might not have been Gabir Baja Biamila, but there was like another Baja Biamila, like after after KGB that I kept seeing, and it it just didn't do justice to the real KGB. Yeah, I, I think I know. Do what you you're remember that? About. Yeah, yeah, I do. He was he was pretty big for a little while. I think he played. So he's drafted in 2003. He was like, he broke a Packer record, but like that many people didn't know about him for his play. It was just his name. Yeah. No, KGB, that, that, that's a good one, bro. Excellent one. All right. Well, Alex and I were um, classmates at St. John's in Delafield, Wisconsin, back in the day. Uh, we haven't talked St. John's really at all on the pod. Nick, uh, Got the uh, crest T-shirt out from underneath. It was probably buried deep, deep in the closet. That is a that's an all-time piece right there. Repping, repping the brand. Yeah, I had to dig this one up. I mean, it, you know, little bit of wrinkles, but as Alex said, you know, it's fitting. It's a throwback. Yeah. yeah, crest, crest on your chest. I think I used to have that shirt back in the day, and the S on my chest song was like a song that was popular, like. I forget who sung it. I walk around like I got a S on my chest. Yeah, yeah. And I think Jeff Jordan. Shout out Jeff Jordan. I think uh, I think he said "crest on my chest," Drew. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." He he remixed it. That that sounds like on my chest. (laughs) All right. Well, um, let's see. What were we? um, We were reminiscing a little pre-pod about the uh, the best hiding places at St. John's. We'll probably skip over that. That was for the. that was for the uh, contraband best hiding places. We had many back in the day. You had to there. You had to. I, I had a um, – uh, I did a post pod post today with just uh, uh, pictures from back in the john. So we were reminiscing about how little I looked. And you didn't look so little back in the day. I remember – so it was – you came in junior year, right? Yeah, that was my first year. I – I don't think I was very little. I did, however, look like a massive tool, though. No, but you were you were you weren't like a 
I was like a pudgy little, like 130 pounds soaking wet, like very, um, I'm not, I'm not cruising past that right now. I'm pretty much, you know, I've got a little bit of poundage on me since then, but I look, (laughs) I look like a call it. You were, you were physically unassuming. Yes. Extremely unassuming. (laughs) (laughs) It's still, still wacky golf ball, though. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you, brother. Um, yeah, so I remember it was junior – it was probably like that uh, junior year, like, cadre time, like summertime, right? Because you were there for football, like, in the summer going into junior year, right? Yeah, so my um, my mom, one Saturday morning, I was hungover, like, really hungover. I, I remember the party I was at. She came down into my room. I slept in the basement. She woke me up. It was like 11 o'clock. She's like, you're coming with me today. We drove 15 minutes down the highway, got to St. John's on a Saturday in the summer. I see my little brother, Jake, marching with a shaved head. I'm like, I didn't because even know. Jake, because Jake was already there. Yeah, he was already there. I didn't even know he was there. He was there for a full week, and I didn't even know that he was gone. So Wait, that was my she, first day there. Because she had already enrolled Jake like the week yeah. before. Yeah. And, and Jake was like a prep, right? He was like seventh or eighth grade. Yeah, I think seventh. He was, he was, um, I mean, I, I don't know how I didn't know that my brother had been out of the house for a full week, but I, right. I didn't realize it. And yeah, when I got there, he was like giving me the like chopping at his neck, get out of here as fast as you can kind of thing. And she seriously, was, yeah, she was like, nope, you're going here. So it was like the end of the summer going into junior year. What, what came over? mom to just say you know what both my both my boys are going to military school what did it have anything to do with the pounding hangover that you may have had that morning as you first visited SJNMA I don't know if she knew that I snuck out the night before she probably did she knows everything but I'm still trying to figure that out to this day Nick what was her thought process around it so you were a public school kid before that yeah yep I went to Oconomowoc High School I was a I was a turd though. I was getting in trouble and skipping school sometimes, and so it was, it was a good thing in the in the moment though. I I honestly thought it was the end of my life. That's a pretty tough transition. Yeah, I cried like when they shaved my head. I'm pretty sure I looked in the mirror, and, like did one of those like grab your cheeks thing. Like oh my god, I'm never gonna be able to talk to a girl again. <laughs> was that in the basement of Smythe, like the one barber? Was that oh yeah. bro. They had and, been- and right before I got my hair cut, Michael Smaniato was behind me in line and he was razzing me. Oh, I didn't even know the guy yet. Yeah. Like razzing you about like how you looked already? No, he was just like, welcome. Like, he, like I don't even know what he, he was trying to like indoctrinate like fre- me. Fresh like, meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it was yeah. like a fresh meat thing. Like he was trying to haze me a little bit. He's like, and I had really long hair too. Um, he's I like, was going to ask that. Did you have like the classic, like just, you know middle of high school just like floppy flow going on like yeah and the longer it gets the curlier it gets so it was like i mean it was a big curly fro and he's like awesome get the clippers this guy <laughs> needs a haircut and i was like i'm like i'm gonna choke this guy out I'm like i'm not even a not even a student yet now i'm gonna be in detention or whatever they have here dude i remember that chair i only got like a couple cuts there because i refused once they it had like one blade that was like lower than the rest so they'd cut you in like what like three minutes or four minutes and you'd yeah you'd have like lines all over your head from that one blade that was like low and like cutting your skin you'd be like bleeding yeah it was like it was like it was tilted like one side of it 
cut you at a half and then the other side cut you at a one and you looked like you had a cornfield in your head and that's exactly. not when they were like they would dig in your head and i mean it feels like a katana is going into your skull i mean they didn't care either yeah that was tough i'm just curious how how you did this after you left St. John's because Drew still rocked the same haircut for the next four years in college. And I'm curious, like, <laughs> did, did you sub, submit to that same, just like, you know what, I'm a head shaved guy now, or did you just let it go right after you left? Uh, you know what, in his defense, don't fix it's not broken, Drew. So Thank I you, don't blame Alex. me for that. Thank you. Bro. But <laughs> when, when we were like halfway through, I don't know what happened, but we all started like doing these weird little not all of us, but some of us started doing like these weird little faux hawk cuts. You, you were definitely pushing towards the end of senior year. You were pushing the limit with the hair for sure. Yeah. I was yeah. getting, I was getting verbally reprimanded in the chow hall daily for that. Yes. So yeah, I, I had like a longer top and then like I kept it short on the sides. So I kept that for a while, like first couple of years of college. And then I realized I just looked like a dummy. So I, you know, trimmed it up a little bit and, but yeah. The senior quarterback had a little more leeway than uh, little old Drew at St. John's. But I, um, in my defense, for my freshman year at Penn State, I did grow that out for as long as I could. Lee will back me up on this. I didn't know what to do with it. I grew it, like, straight out. And I didn't know, like, you know, I didn't know what to do. So it was just – that was just my normal, everyday look, just, like, full-on, like, punk straight down and then somebody was like dude you need to do like a something. fifth grade haircut yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and somebody was it would be nice if our friends would just be honest and come up and be like hey man i need to tell you something your hair stinks you need to get it fixed like terrible, but no, nobody's yeah. nobody's got the heart to just like to tell you that your haircut sucks for multiple years at some point somebody did and then I made my first trip to four men only in state college. And yeah, it was a buzz cut from, from then on out for me. Um, so yeah, Alex was, I remember uh, we were like, well, we got this new quarterback. He's from like down the road. I was like, let's go. Cause I knew my, I was buddies with the former quarterback, Jeff DePuma, shout out Jeff DePuma. And um, yeah, I remember you coming in and, you met G like right away. And then all of a sudden like football season starts junior year. And then like, do you think it, I mean, that had to, you know, you got, I don't remember like our record or anything like that, but that had to be a little bit, were you starting at Oconomowoc before that? For no, the quarterback? I actually, um, I never played quarterback in organized football a day in my life before I got to St. John's. That's right. And G just, was it G or was it B that like, saw you and was like your quarterback who was who was that crazy son-in-law of g he was the offensive coordinator he was an absolute loose cannon ct coach tim no I, I, it was um oh what's his name he was married to g's daughter <laughs> i have i have no idea you you would know i have no idea i can't remember his name i mean he kicked me off the team in like the middle of the game my senior year that's another story but yeah whoa oh no it was brantner does that ring a bell? Yeah, that does. Okay. He was yeah. an RFO. Um, no, I think he was like a teacher somewhere, like another school, but okay. Yeah, I, I met G and him and then I was suspended the first three games of my junior year for my grades, my sophomore year. 
So I had to just like sit on the sideline when I got there and I was playing catch. Uh, I think Trevon actually came back. Trevon Hughes came back a day just to like see G and him and I were playing catch on the sideline. And then G came over and was like, have you ever played before? And asked me if I wanted to be quarterback. And I remember like my balls shooting up into my stomach and being like, ah, I mean, I never have before, but I can try. Because you were you were wide receiver or something at Oconomowoc or position no, no. What, what position I played DN. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a DN. The classic DN to QB transition. Yeah, that, God, that's, dude. It that's had some serious the, arm talent for real. That's the natural progression usually. Um, it's like center DN quarterback. So <laughs> you got to start in the trenches to appreciate being under center. Yeah, they, they like you to get, you know, some calluses in your hand before you, you know, start taking snaps. So I like that. Yeah. I, I was definitely a, a shock, but he asked me and then and then I had to meet Jeff. And you remember Elliot Davy? Of course. Elliot Davy was like a thirty five year old man in high Glenn, school. Glenn Allen boy, yeah, of course. Andy a- Andy was was tight with Elliot back in the day. Couldn't have been more intimidated by him, and him and Jeff came up to me that first day, and they like introduced themselves. And Ellie was like, "So he's a this is Jeff. He's a quarterback." And I was like, oh, "I don't know if I, I want to yeah. take the spot anymore." That's uh, yeah, that's that's tough to walk into for sure. But you did, and you were successful because you were you kept a job, and you were quarterback senior year too. I can't remember any any other takeaways from from football. Uh, junior, I think we, I don't, junior is like a complete blur. I remember my first ever touchdown pass was to Jeff the Puma. It was a home game. Shout out to Jeff again. Yes. I think I, think I hit him on like a little, uh, a little seam route and he just took it to the house. Yeah. But, you said he, it was like 80 yards, right? And he just took yeah. it like 75. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I like hit him and I, the ball was in the air for maybe like five yards and he just, I think he beat the safety, like did a little inside juke and just took it. But. Calvin Johnson-esque for tallest yeah. out there. And Jeff could move when he, when he got going, he could move. And he was a big boy. Yeah, 100%. But, yeah, junior year is a blur. Uh, senior year, we actually – we got some – like we had some really good talent. And Mark Gregory, Jeff. Um, Jeff at wide out, Mark at, at running back. Uh, Mark, Mark actually switched to wide out because we got Donald. I don't remember Donald's last name. He's a running back from uh, Madison. Shout out to the boys, Mark Gregory and, and Jeff Jordan. So many uh, – we had – I would say if, if I had one – I mean, you know, St. John's was – it was tough at the time for sure. It's kind of like, a, you know, it's a culture shock. It's an adjustment for sure because all your friends are public school kids, not waking up at 6 a.m., not marching in the freezing cold in Wisconsin, not carrying a rifle, not – you know, not doing any of that stuff and the, par- the parades on the weekends. Yeah, yeah, of course. And when you like, when you were in the moment, you were definitely like, how can I get out of here? Like, well, what can I do to get home? And then after the fact, like, you know, for the past decade for me, it's, I actually look back at it and in like a really positive light. And I like, I miss you guys. And, you know, I miss the brothers and, and everything. And I, I don't think, I would have known that at the time, but I never look back at it in, in a negative light now. I don't know about you, but. Definitely. I, uh, in the moment, it's like the, the most FOMO you've ever had. 
you feel like the whole world is like moving on without you while you're stuck in there. And all you want to do is get out and like go rejoin your friends back home. But I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Looking back at it, you realize like being in such close quarters with, with so many guys for that long, you actually, you do create like some of the, the strongest, best relationships that, you know, that you can, you can't really duplicate that. Unintentionally. Like you, you don't even, <clears throat> you don't even really realize, you know, that's happening. It's kind of hard to see when you're in the moment, but remove yourself, you know, a year, five years, 10 years. And then, you know, we all, we were all, uh, we just hit our 10 year anniversary last summer and, uh, the, the 10 year anniversary is kind of like, you know, for the, for the genres, at least like when we were there, I remember the 10 year guys would come back, they'd have their own platoon for the parade They'd have their own, you know, they'd march together. They'd all be back. So I was picturing the same for us. And then COVID hit, we were all planning on, on going back, making it a golf trip and then COVID hit and we, we canceled it, but. Yeah, that, that definitely would have been a blast. I, you know, there's many more to come. We'll, we'll definitely do that, but yeah. Yeah. It's, there's something to be said about um, being with a group of guys that everybody's miserable too. You know, like you, you get closer to people when, when everybody's like equally as miserable, it kind of brings you together. It's, it's kind of weird. When you're in the suck, I remember um, not to steal from the Marines or anything, but that uh, I think it was either Nimchek or, or one of those guys would say, Hey, you're in it now. Like we're all in it, in it together. Welcome to the suck boys. Embrace the suck. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a big military uh, line that we hear often. So. I went to public high school. Uh, I also played on the golf team. I played basketball too for early years in high school, but uh, no, nah, man, I was just like, <laughs> just classic, like, you know, skating by, you know, I I can't comment on the, uh, the the intense male bonding that happens when you're trapped in a military environment for uh, consecutive years in high school, but uh, but I'll rock the t-shirt in in respect for you guys. So Alex, you um, you're now a staff sergeant in the U.S. Army National Guard, and that's pretty much I know you're. You're a reservist now, but you were um, you were active duty for some time, or or catch me up to speed on on all that since so we graduated in 2010, college, all that good stuff, and then what's the uh, military career looked like for you since then? Yeah, I uh, I went and played football at St. Norbert up in De Pere. Um, joined ROTC to get a scholarship. Um, that didn't end up working out. I, I was stupid, got in trouble a little bit, but then I ended up transitioning to the National Guard and then uh, transferred schools to University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. And um, it's pretty similar, you know, to ROTC or you know, but in this case, um, I enlisted, and you start as a private. You got to go to basic training, you know, and get shit on for a while and. Um, I, I, at the time I thought I was worth it. I'm like, you know, they'll, they'll pay for my school, they'll cover my tuition. It's definitely worth it. So, uh, went and joined, that was seven years ago. Um, 2013. Yeah. 2013 is, is, uh, when I, or no, it will be seven years in March. So I'm okay. coming up 
so 14 gotcha okay cool yeah. and um so yeah you just for the national guard um it's you know there are reserves in the national guard national guard you get you're you're more uh um I guess your property of the state in which you you enlist, whereas the reserves fall under like the federal umbrella, but they're still like part timers. So there's some minor differences. It's really similar, but um, I get like benefits from the state of Wisconsin, not necessarily from the federal government and the army. So gotcha. Due to due to your National Guard, um, instead of just straight up U.S. Army. Right. Yep. So um, you drill once a month, and then you do two weeks every two weeks every summer, you have to go and do like, you know, your, what they call annual training. Every once in a while you get slotted to deploy. So it's not really that common. And there are so many national guard units around the country that, you know, your odds of actually having to deploy within a contract period, which is usually six years is really, really low. So I actually ended up having to deploy uh, the last year of my contract, which was, halfway through 2019 into 2020. Um, so. So when did they, when did you know that your unit was set to deploy? Um, I actually don't remember what, where I was or when it was when I got the news. I remember kind of like blacking out and thinking about it for a little while and being like, wow, what are the odds of that? It's really bad luck. Because it shocked you, right? You weren't, you weren't um, anticipating deployment at all? No, I, I mean, when you're working and in your professional career, you kind of look at, you know, the, or I did at least, I looked at the National Guard as kind of a back burner thing. You know, it's like benefits are great. The guys that I met are great. You know, it's one weekend a month. You know, it's kind of a, a little bit of additional income, but, you know, I'm just, my life is normal. I'm going to move on with work. You don't ever think it's going to completely consume an entire year of your life like it did. So definitely threw me for a loop, but, um, came to terms with it pretty quick and ended up like convincing myself to be excited for it. So that's awesome, man. So deployment was summer of 2019. Yeah, we left, um, we left July 21st of 2019, went down to Texas, Fort Hood, Texas, and we did our pre-mobilization training for a couple of months. Uh, went down to Fort Polk in Louisiana for three weeks to a month, trained down there. And I think we got into country in October or November of 2019. And you deployed to Afghanistan. Yep. You uh, you fl- always go through Kuwait. Kuwait's like the gateway of, they call, um, um, they they always call being overseas or being deployed a, a certain term. I always forget it, but, um, oh, they call it theater. So yeah, they, theater, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Kuwait's the, the gateway to, to theater. So whether it's Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever. So we spent some time in Kuwait. Um, Kuwait is like, I mean, you guys want hot. Kuwait is next level hot. It's like 130 degrees there. You go outside 20 seconds in being outside completely like knocks one out of you. I can't even believe people live there. How long were you in Kuwait for? Uh, the first time around, I think we were there for three or four days. So not that long. Right. Enough to want to get out of there. Yeah. It's, it's just unbelievable. It's like people actually live here. Yeah. And that's what, that's wild. And it's crazy. It's, it's unbelievably hot, but yeah, you're there for a little while. Then we flew into, um, 
Bagram Airfield, I think, in Afghanistan, which is like a city. I mean, we've been there for 20 years and we built up Bagram, you know, airfield like like a legitimate city. I mean, there are multiple thousands of people that live there in restaurants and, you know, it's pretty crazy. Um, and then my unit, my platoon flew out to the western part of Afghanistan to a, a city called Herat. Herat, Afghanistan, and then you were there for the duration of the deployment or you kind of hopped around? Yep, we were out there. Uh, that, I guess that's that was our post that it's where we were assigned. So um, I think we ended up spending six months in Herat. Um, and then the last like month or two of it, you know, the whole COVID thing happened. So um, missions really stopped and it ended up being us just like sitting around and waiting to go home because we couldn't go do much. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely exciting. It was the fastest year of my life. It absolutely flew by. Yeah, that's 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 crazy. You uh, you were kind of <clears throat> not dreading it, but definitely surprised with the news and then when you were when you were going through it, it it went by like faster than you would have imagined it actually happening before, and then you were kind of back home before you knew it, right? Yeah. <clears throat> before you get there, you don't know what you're getting into. I mean, there are guys who have deployed before, and they'll tell you, oh, you know, this sucks about deployments, or that sucks, or the food is bad, or you know, you don't have these resources, or or whatever it is. So you kind of have like these these little snippets of stories from other guys that make you dread it but as soon as we got there and we realized you know where we'd be staying and you know the kind of food we could be eating and what our mission set looked like and everything you know you come to terms with it actually being you know pretty normal so what did what did that look like what was your did you have a specific mission did your unit have a specific mission yeah so there's this um the you guys are familiar with the green berets i i think Somewhat, yeah. somewhat. So the, the Green Berets are like one of the Army's premier um, special forces units. And they're, they were like originally made to um, train indigenous soldiers and forces to fight like, you know, like we fight. So that was like one of their main functions. But now they've kind of turned into a little bit more of like a direct action where they get to go do the cool guy stuff and, you know, take out the enemy. So they don't do that job as much. So then they created... Um, this unit called the SFAB where they don't get to do the cool guy stuff, but they go in and they train um, friendly forces on how to, how to run an army. You know, you think like other nations just know how to run their army, but they don't, especially Afghanistan. And you wouldn't believe like how um, elementary their, their tactics are and like their logistics and, you know, the weapons they have and the bullets and the gear and even the uniforms like, it's, it's crazy. So these guys, SFAB, uh, they're an active duty army unit. They would go in and they were teaching logistics and supply to the Afghan National Army. Well, who are the good guys? They're the ones defending themselves against ISIS and Taliban. So we're, we're trying to help them out so that we can withdraw. We're trying to teach them how to effectively fight a war. Um, but what's been happening the last couple of years is the Taliban or ISIS go and they turn one of the Afghan National Army soldiers, you know, they say, hey, I'm gonna, you know, kill your, your family, like your wife or your kids or whatever, unless you take out American soldier today. So 
then that Afghan National Army soldier shows up for his training. The American forces think that he's still friendly like he was yesterday, but you know he's now tasked with taking one of them out and then they get blindsided and then an American soldier's dead. So my unit's job was to pretty much secure the SFAB while they were teaching and advising. Um, we we're securing them and making sure that didn't happen. So we're looking for indicators of, you know, guys that are really high heart rates, sweating when they shouldn't be sweating. They look like they're on edge and about to do something. And then, you know, we potentially whack them before anything happens. So that was our, our main role over there. How do you train for that? That's actually a really good question. That's what I thought leading up to it, but um, we probably should have gotten more training, um, but we did actually get a decent amount. Um, here at Fort McCoy, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a military installation before or on one, but some of them are crazy impressive. I mean, they're massive, but here at Fort McCoy in Wisconsin, they have these little makeshift cities and villages built um, that try and like emulate you know, a, a village in, Af in Afghanistan, or, or it's like duplicated. So these multi-story buildings and, um, you know, we would go there and they would put us through these scenarios, um, like predetermined scenarios where they would hire contractors that were actual Afghanistan, you know, ex-Afghanistan locals, United States, government will pay them have them come here and then run through these scenarios with us so like you go into one scenario where they predetermined that this person is going to like pop off and pull a gun out of his you know his clothes and shoot you in the middle of the meeting you know or the the training event so uh, we went through a bunch of those and failed absolutely miserably um we use like blank rounds and and stuff like that but it's just such like a high octane little like training moment you just never really know how you're going to react to to it when it happens and then you know it's a, a training event so you know that they're going to throw something you know nasty at you so we did that as much as we could before we left and tried to get a good idea of the indicators we should be looking for um like some signs that'll kind of give it away so i think we got pretty good at it yeah i mean that just sounds uneasy like constantly you know you're are these people that are you know they come onto the base they train during the day and they go home at night or do they stay on the base for the duration of their training with you all? So that would be probably a lot more secure, but instead we would leave our base and go to their base. So we're in there, we're on their home court really, which is, which is what made it more, I guess, nerve wracking. I mean, there, there weren't any moments where, you know, you were like, we were afraid for our life by any stretch, but you are completely on edge because if you're in charge of the security element or, you know, it's your task to like keep one of these SFAB guys safe and then you're just not paying attention for five minutes and then something happens. Like, I don't know if I would be able to live with that kind of guilt, you know, for me just not doing my job. So um, the, the pressure you put on yourself in that situation is like probably the, the most nerve wracking thing. I can imagine. I want to, I just want to jump in here real quick. Uh, I know we've been asking you a lot of like heavy stuff uh, or, or just more, you know, technical stuff as far as your role and, and your deployment, uh, which is something that I think Drew and I are just, at least personally, I feel so far from. So first of all, I you know, appreciate you. Uh, 
I'm just thinking like the mindset of like, you know, you sign up for the national guard and all of a sudden you're in Afghanistan charged with like saving American lives from infiltrators. And that's like fucking crazy. Um, Extremely heavy. While we're in the middle of all that, I want to ask for your second roll dog. All right. I love it. That's a perfect thing to break for. All right. I'm going <laughs> to want a transition. Um, which one do I want to go with here? Okay. Massive, uh, massive gentleman here. And this is, this is a baseball guy. I feel like baseball, baseball's got some, some really good ones just because there are true like utility guys, you know, that, that aren't the studs, but they were like a glue guy. Um, you've, you've got the roll dog DNA dialed in absolute yeah. glue guys. 100%. No, no, there's, there's like a Craig Council type glue guy, but then there's like a guy you just like to, you know, like a horse, like a, not the best guy on the team, but just an absolute horse. So this dude is, he played for the Brewers only for a couple of years. Uh, I think he had a couple, couple teams, big boy, like 6'10", big, 240, and an all-time name, Richie Sexton. Dude, I, I, okay. This Uh-oh. is uh no, excellent. We're on the exact same wavelength. Is, I, oh, is I that a nom- dupe? Is that a duplicate? <laughs> yeah, I, I nominated tall. Richie. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, no, I, I totally agree with you. I, I nominated Richie, I think on the, uh, I can't remember. It was probably on the, yeah, it was probably on F3. How, the, how did the I roll, not roll hear that? Dude, it's all good. That makes me feel even better about my nom. <laughs> you know, he... I was originally disappointed when you just said that, but that just confirms that he should probably be on there. He should be on the list. All all time name hit absolute mammoth shots, and then as like a ten, eleven year old kid watching baseball, I was like, his name is Sex, and Sex is cool. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he had like uh, he had some good facial hair too. He just he covered all the bases for for the roll dog nomination. So. He definitely did. He was a house. He definitely had drip. He had bombs. Sweet name. All of it. Yeah. Richie didn't make it in first first ballot, but he it sounds it. like second ballot. It's that's <laughs> his time. <laughs> his second ballot. He, he's getting in this time. Good one. That's awesome. All right. Um, quick transition back to the uh, the deployment conversation. Um, so take me if if you could just a day in the life of of your deployment. Say you were. It was a, a as normal as a day could get, from wake up to, um, you know, hitting the hitting the pillow at night, or if you're not hitting a pillow, wherever you know, wherever the the night is is capped. What does that day look like? Yeah, definitely. Um, so everyone's, I, I mean, I think everyone's idea of like deployments, like all the movies you watch, you think that like you really guys are sleeping in the shit and it's raining and it's muddy all the time and you're like. You know, we've been over there so long. We've built such like a, a comfortable infrastructure for our soldiers to be at that it's it's really not as heavy as everyone thinks. Um, we would have missions every other day or every third day, and we do the planning on the off days for them just because they're kind of big operations with like a lot of moving parts, driving, a bunch of gun trucks, a lot of guys, um, communication stuff. So. Um, like a standard mission day, we wake up at five, five thirty in the morning, go get some chow, go down to the motor pool and get the gun trucks ready. Um, 
check everything, make sure communications get like devices are good, radios are good, um, mount the weapons, put the bullets in, and then we check our weapons. Um, we're in the motor pool for like hour, hour and a half. We kick off, getting our file in the gun trucks, um, head down to the site that we're doing the training at. We're there for a couple hours. You know, we run through, um, like they have these old Russian, like they're like tombs, like in, in like some of them, they're like built into the bluffs. Um, and that's where they, they put a lot of their ammo. This is the Afghan national army, but they don't know how to like account for it. So our guys would go in and they would make sure, you know, they're teaching them proper logistics. All right. This is how you account for your, your ammunition that you can use. This is what you have. Um, here's how you keep proper inventory of it, whatever. So we'd go in and we'd clear these big dark tombs with like no lights, make sure nobody's in there ready to whack us. Um, they'd go in, do their training. Um, we'd exfil, get back in the gun trucks, go back. We'd probably get back to the base by like, you know, like 3.34, 4.30 every day on mission day. Immediately go eat um, and then hit the gym. And working out was like your like your little getaway there. So we all worked out like crazy and ate like crazy. And then after dinner, uh, we'd prep for whatever we needed to do for the next day, maybe a brief uh, for the following day. And then we'd go play bags. We stole a bag, a bag set, like a cornhole set. So we got really good at cornhole. But yeah, we, we played some bags and then we uh, smoked cigars. So one of my buddies like really resourceful. He would uh, email like cigars for soldiers or like all these organizations that like send you send you stogies overseas if you're deployed emailed like every single one under the sun so we just had like hundreds of cigars so we were just burning through them like you wouldn't believe but that's a typical day did you get to the point where you were just like you just have like the almost fully burnt out one just like stuck in your mouth for like six hours at a time just hanging there yeah yeah it's sitting there so long that it starts to fuse your lip you don't even have to like keep it there with your teeth anymore oh yeah nah it's just stuck yeah <laughs> yeah I, my 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 voice is getting pretty hoarse by the end of that because i started inhaling them a little bit just for the little extra little extra nicotine kick i'm like all right i need to I need to figure it out here stop doing that yeah you're you're, you're probably sounding deep by the end of uh, end of deployment it's like farmer's tan for like you know be, the parts that were exposed to the sun horse voice that is you guys do you guys grow out your facial hair and stuff when you're over there do you have to keep like you know pretty military sort of you know you know i guess hair face all that kind of stuff so yeah i mean like the the book answers you're supposed to be i mean but we didn't shave like as often as we do here like when we were reporting a drill like you got to be clean shaven here they call it in garrison when you're in garrison you got to be clean shaven on too many people too much rank or walk around for you to not be shaven but over there yeah you let it grow a teeny bit we all got these really ugly mustaches that we kept for the whole deployment um, so yeah we try to have fun with it my little bro uh shout out thomas Baralt is uh about to graduate medical school and he's on a naval scholarship so he's he's had like a one six week stint uh at i think it's officer training school um up in newport rhode island and like ever since then he will just for i don't even know like six months of the year at intermittent periods he will rock a mustache um 
just it, <laughs> it it runs deep in the military it seems oh, like oh yeah it does it does and like if you're in a standard unit whether it's like navy air force or army you're not allowed to grow any facial hair so like the mustache is not because we love mustaches that much it's just because it's all we have it's all that's allowed so everybody takes advantage of it i mean if you're like one of the special forces guys they have full beards so we we got to match them with something <laughs> that makes that's sense yeah were you was most were most of the meals mres or were you eating like chow food or, or how was how was that set up uh, we, yeah, we had a, a mess hall very much like St. John's. Um, the base we were on was run by the Italians. They were part of NATO and that was like their base. So we, we were like guests on their base and they cooked all the food. Um, I actually don't think the Italians cooked the food. I think like the Afghan locals did, but food is pretty good. I, I had chicken breasts every day for lunch and dinner for seven solid months. So it, uh, no complaints there. Just because it was the same offerings every day, so you just stuck with chicken? Yeah, it was just like, you know, if I'm going to be working out like a madman, might as well be eating something clean. I mean, like, they'd have pasta um, sometimes, and every once in a while they'd have, like, cake, something, like, really sugary. But, yeah, majority of it was, like, it was, like, steamed broccoli and chicken. That sounds like best shape of your life kind of time, like seven months of just that, that you probably never felt better. And, and no guy. drinking he's, too. No drinking. Chiseled. But that's, no, I mean, still obviously in, in, in really good shape, but I feel like that just, it's not even a gauntlet at that point. You're just a machine. You just, you go through your routine, you eat the <laughs> nutritious food and you don't booze on the weekends and you're just a freaking house. I feel like that. Am I right? You're, you're spot on. I think uh, a lot of guys like deploying for that reason and that reason alone. I mean, you, you have like this perfect like Petri dish of what you could be physically um, overseas. And it's like, all right, if I, if I cut out all the stuff that we like can't say no to here, like drinking and, you know, fast food and all this stuff, and I actually like stick to it, where can I like get my body? And it's, it's something to like focus on, but it is, yeah. By the end of it, I was like, I've, I've never been, you know, I've never been in that good of shape for sure, but it goes quick. You get home and it's like, bam, it's yeah, gone, pretty quick. <laughs> gone pretty quick. When you, when you came home, did you transition back into civilian life pretty easily or was that um, a struggle or, or how did, how did those few months uh, transitioning back to your life in Wisconsin now? So you, you came back last year, like June ish or, or yep. when was that? Yeah, June. Um, it was, a, it was a pretty easy transition. I mean, we didn't, it wasn't like, so crazy over there for us at all that, you know, we had any um, mental or psychological stuff we had to deal with. So I was just really excited to get home, start working again. That was the hardest part is just to transition back to remembering how to do your job, you know, um, like you, Sarah laws protect you from losing your job while you're overseas. So all of us, you know, that had a job when we left had the same, um, position when we got back. So I just, I was more nervous about starting the role again, my role, and then forgetting how to do it. And, you know, having my company be like, wow, 
he really uh really lost his step here you know that was that was my biggest concern but was there like any one like what was your like top three if, if you don't want to limit it to one of like you know you're coming back home it's been a long time what are the things you're, you you want to either do first eat first see first like what's on your list when you get back that's a good question um and this is not the right answer, but it's absolutely true. I just wanted a beer so bad. I wanted to sit on a patio and have a big, fat, disgusting meal and just drink like five beers. So I think uh, my mom and family came and picked me up at the airport here in Madison. And we went right to my favorite place uh, called Daly's here in Sun Prairie. I know the owner decently well, and he was giving us like um, – shots of tequila and like had some beer and i was like this is this is what i needed it was I'm back baby i'm back yeah. <laughs> yeah. we were sitting on the patio nice beautiful summer day ripping tequila shots having beer so that was it was nothing crazy but you know my aspiration for what i want to do when i got back was pretty simple and that was it so yeah simple pleasures and a, a six margarita lunch is included right. in <laughs> yeah <laughs> tacos margaritas and beer well, I, I know I, I I speak for Nick as well as um, probably everybody listening to this podcast, but definitely thank you for what you've done for for the country, and uh, I'm I'm really proud to to call you a brother of mine, Alex. So thanks a lot, man. Oh, thank you guys. I I can't help but to feel a little imposter syndrome, but I I definitely appreciate all the support. So thank you. It was cool to, you know, peel behind the, look behind the curtain a little bit. Cause you know, I, I guess, like you said, like we, us, us civilians, you know, we, we see the movies and watch the TV shows or even documentaries, but to hear it straight from somebody who, who did it themselves. I uh, appreciate the perspective. And, and again, thanks for your service, man. Yeah, absolutely. Send me out on a roll dog, please, Alex. All right. Um, this guy, I think you guys might like him just because of his alma mater, but 2001 third round draft pick Green Bay Packers. I'm going to stick to the theme. Um, Is he a stater? Tell me he's a stater. Went to Penn State. Yeah. And I I picked him (laughs) specifically because of that. But all time name, all time name. Um, Bao Poppy Jew. Bao Jew. Bao Jew? Bao Jew, Penn State. Yep. 2001 third round draft pick. I have. I'm gonna have to look this man oh, up. No, yeah, that went straight over my head. <laughs> How do you spell it? It's B H A W O H. Jew is J U E. So if you're not a Packer fan, I I really don't blame you guys for not knowing about Jew. But he just has one of those all time all time names. It gets the people going when he makes a play. Career 99 tackles. Just couldn't get over the hump and get one more. But he was a great guy. You know, he's on the field. He got the he got the fans going because of his all time man. And he was a a Nittany line. So was he one of the uh like similar to Coon, how the whole how all of Lambo would, you know, do the Coon echo, bow Jew. Jew. Yeah. Did, yep. did he get the echo? Okay. All right. Yeah, he galvanized the people. It was the exact same thing. The John Coon thing. The the guy, it doesn't matter the player position. He can absolutely suck, but if the crowd starts screaming a nickname or your name, he's a old dog in my, in yeah, my eyes. He's, oh, of course, he's rallying the squad. Nah, that's yeah. that's great. Alex is um, your your absolute 
um, induction, second second ballot. I'll give you that. But Richie Sexton is definitely in, and I I am comfortable with putting in Kabir Kabaja Bia as well. Only because I I have no, I respect Bao Ju, of course. I just have absolute. I still don't know how to spell his name. I can't even look him up because you read off how to spell it too fast. I don't know about. <laughs> I don't know about you, but KGB is in as well as Richie Sexton, both Wisconsin boys. Agreed. Well Perfect. Done. Can I can I add one more thing on KGB? It, it, you know, just to, for all the people that are on the fence about that one, if there are any, his dad. Give name, it to him. His dad's name is Mustafa. Mustafa Gabir Baja Biamila. Yes. And if that doesn't get him inducted now, then I don't know what does. His dad's name is Mustafa. <laughs> MGB. Yeah. Oh, that, those were those were to a T. Excellent, excellent noms. If you if you had um if somebody was I'm sure people have, have come to you and asked um you know, guys interested in, in service or uh, enlisting or, or, you know, joining the army. I'm sure guys have approached you about that. Probably if you had um, advice to, to say to somebody listening that uh, is maybe thinking about a career in service or enlisting, did you, would you have um, any advice for them? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think it depends on, you know, your age, where you're at in life. Um, but I, I, I look at military services, you know, it can be such a huge benefit in a million, a million different ways, you know, like how we see St. John's being a benefit to us, you know, in the moment you're like, man, this really sucks, but it kind of teaches you some, some life stuff that you can take forever. And the biggest thing is discipline. So, um, if somebody's looking for education benefits, um, the military will literally pay for your school, um, a bachelor's degree for you and then give you money while you're a student. Um, insurance is incredible. If you have a job or there's really bad insurance and you have, you know, wife and kids, um, kind of gives you a sense of belonging as well. Um, and then you, you know, you can learn some, some really awesome skills in the military as well. So I, I would never discount it. I think a lot of people look at it as something that's like a last resort. Um, but it's definitely not that it can be leveraged into something pretty incredible, um, to help, you know, get you, get you along further in life. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever discount it. I actually think that America would do right by themselves to, to have everyone, um, you know, enlist mandatory enlistment for two years out of high school. It gives you time to become more of an adult and gain some maturity and perspective and actually figure out what you want to go to school for. If you want to go to school or maybe you want to go to trade school or maybe you want to be an entrepreneur and start a business. Um, Regardless, making that decision when you're 17, 18 years old is really hard for a lot of people. So um, if you go and join the military and spend some time, you get an incredible amount of discipline. um, And then you're buying yourself time to make a more informed and mature decision down the road when your service is up uh, to decide what you want to do with the rest of your life. So. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. My dad's a retired Colonel and he always has said the same thing that everybody would benefit from two or, or three years of service. Exactly what you just said. So that makes, makes total sense. Definitely. 
Well, I know you uh, picked up the the golf clubs um, after high school, and you um, have been playing a little bit since you've you've been back in the civilian world. So next time you're down here in Chicago, I hope you you swing by the club and and we can tee it up because I owe you that at least. Absolutely, I'll be champing at the bit to do that. Let's go. Well, Alex, Staff Sergeant Alex Hahn, thank you for joining us on the post pod it's been great to reconnect with you brother thanks for thanks for hopping on man this was awesome yeah it was no honestly drew it was my pleasure i was honored to, to be asked so thanks for having me on it was a lot of fun it was awesome awesome thanks dude we'll uh we'll catch up soon all right all right sounds good talk to you soon 